Good evening, and welcome to the Comics Experience Graphic Novel of the Month Club. Uh, it's our last show of the year, uh, and it's a really good one, I think. Uh, it's a fantastic book um, that hopefully you have gotten, and if you haven't gotten, you should get. This is a great book. Uh, oh, and I, I, everybody keeps reminding me that I have to I have to always remind people that if you buy it from us, and the website will come up on the screen in the middle, you'll, you'll get a signed book plate here by our two guests, N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell, who I'd like to welcome. Hello. Um, Hi. Hi. How are you both? What a fantastic book this is. Um, this, <laughs> this, uh, Little and I'll, I'll, I'll say especially that that we usually don't pick superhero comics uh, for this. Um, mm. uh, so um, it, it really stands out uh, that, that that you know it, that it's a good, strong superhero comic that I think that normal civilian readers can read as well. Um, so that's a you that's a credit like, to both of you, I think. Um, you prefer like indies? Is that what you mean? Uh, we we do a pretty wide range of genres and styles. We try to pick like not the same book twice in a row, so that someone who's who's a member gets twelve really cool selections. You know, next next mm -hmm. month's book is going to be this book from Fantagraphics, no one else, which mm -hmm. um, uh, which is uh, it's kind of like uh, an an Adrian Tomine book um, in sort of how it's it's told. Um, and then last month was time after time or time before time, the, uh, the, the time travel story. So we, we jump around, you know, we do different stuff. Um, anyway, uh, thank you both for being here on the show. Let's, let's start with the first question, which is always the same question that I ask everybody because I love this question so much. Um, why comics of all the things that you could be doing what attracts you to comics what what uh interests you in comics um i'd actually like to start with jamal as the artist here um especially the one with the larger comics background <laughs> why why comics for you jamal um really it was just something i've always been into um specifically i started off with superhero cartoons of the 90s so like batman the animated series and the spider-man series and everything like that so that's just what i grew up watching so i was always interested in, in it as a hobby and then really it was just because i could draw and drawing was the only thing that i really sort of kept up with and was obsessed with from like a little kid into high school into college i knew i wanted to do something pertaining to art as my career and comics just happened to be one of the options that worked out for me. Nice, nice. Uh, Nora, how about how about you? Why comics? I mean, you're a, you're a prose writer, <laughs> so so what's the attraction? Uh, especially, and you're not just a prose writer; you're an award-winning prose writer. What's the attraction for comics? Uh, well, I mean, I've always read comics just for fun. Um, you know, I, I stopped reading. Kind of superhero comics back when I was in college and I was broke, but um, but all the crossovers I couldn't afford and eat. Um, but um, but you know I really wasn't particularly interested in doing this until Gerard was basically like, "I've got this cool idea. Let me run it past you." And I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute! This is actually really interesting." I had not at all kept up with Green Lantern. Um, didn't even see the movie. I knew Diddly Squat about it, and you know basically he was like, "You get to be." 
you get to carte blanche, write your own world using, uh, you know, a character that's never existed before. And that was right up my alley. You know, the fact that I sort of tried to tamper into the, the standing Green Lantern continuity was just because I knew that it wouldn't necessarily, you know, I wouldn't be continuing that someone else would continue after me. Sure. Um, but for the most part, I like the fact that it, I got to, a chance to do something original. Yeah, that's interesting. What, so it was it was baked in that you knew that it was going to continue past the, the 12, like that, that Joe would then go on to be a regular Green Lantern or was that not baked into it? No, when we started this, this we we started this actually years ago, um, mm. back when uh, Young Animal was thriving and there were a lot of uh, comic books under that line. Um, and then kind of as we started working on it, then the Young Animal line kind of shrank down. Um, and then suddenly we were the like last comic standing. Um, so, you know, I, there was never any guarantee that Joe would continue afterward. I knew that. Um, but because I know enough about comics to understand that, you know, if you make a character who's popular enough, that can happen. The, the, the jump from, you know, one comic into another can happen. Plus also, you know, we never we didn't know whether Far Sector itself might continue. I'm sure that if it was a blockbuster hit, it probably would have continued, Young yeah. Animal or not. Um, so, you know, I just, I tend to think long-term if, if I know that a character, what I, what I was hoping to kind of do was create a character who was memorable and vivid enough that she could continue if someone wanted to continue sure. her. And I feel like I succeeded. Yeah. They, uh, I mean, they immediately started a new Green Lantern book where she's effectively the star. Yeah. Um, so I see. Yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. read it yet. I just yeah. finished my last book. So I'm like tired yeah. right now. That's interesting. Do they do they even consult you about it at all, or or? No, no and, and that's fine. No, um, I, when yeah, yeah J Jamal can tell you that when I when I first put the the ideas and stuff for this together, I built a bunch of like, I don't know what to call them, like series bible information. Mm -hmm. Um, really long files. I'm sorry about that, Jamal. <laughs> no, they were like amazing to read, so don't apologize. Okay. Really long, you know, like character studies, uh, world building details. You know, basically, I I built it so that whoever came along after me, because I knew I might not be able to continue. Um, you know, the, the the life of a, a book writer is such that when the book takes over, everything else has to kind of like fall by the wayside. Um, but I set it up so that if anybody wanted to continue after me, they had all the information they needed to start. So, yeah, it's just a, it's a very different way than you traditionally work, right? You're not usually working on characters that you're going to start and then not finish as it were. I mean, no, I, but I do create series Bibles for myself. Yeah, so those yeah. really long files, I inflict that on me too. It's just, you know, <laughs> it came out of my own brain. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I did the same thing for this that I normally do for starting a new novel. Um, I just did it and gave it to other people. That, right. that was the only difference. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, Jamal, you're obviously a little more used to things that you create going on and, and, living outside mm -hmm. because that's sort of the nature of serial comics right uh yeah. i'd particularly point to naomi who's immediately in the justice league you know since this <laughs> is writing uh mm -hmm. but that's got to be pretty cool right yeah it's kind of amazing to see what that character has done in such a short amount of time mm. like yeah. we just had that mini series and then from that she started in like justice league and young justice and now she has a tv series oh wow in, i hadn't heard um, about that part january so like it's been this roller coaster that's just been increasingly going faster and faster and faster. And I'm just sort of like 
Mm-mm. This oh. is normal, but I'm just going to sit here and enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, are you getting uh, any uh, input or uh, into these expansions where, where the character's going? Um, not too much. It's very much that comic book thing of like, you do what you do, establish what you establish, do your best with it, and then you pass it off to someone else. Yeah. So I had a short conversation with Ava and Jill for the TV series when the first started doing the pilot, just to see like so sort of what they wanted to do with it, the sort of ideas that I had um, in the conception of Naomi. And then from then, I just they just sort of like took it and ran with it. So I'm excited to see like what they actually do with it. Yeah, that's that's cool. It's it's congratulations. It's yeah, Thank you. Yeah, congratulations for sure. Um, so let's talk maybe about the the genesis of Far Sector a little bit more. Um, you know, you, you said Nora that uh, that the Gerard came to you and, and pitched the idea of this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That uh, out of the blue like that? Had you had contact with him before? Did you? I didn't huh. know who he was. Um, uh-huh. I, you know, the, the 90s was like my hip hop phase. So, you know, right. I had no idea who the hell he was. Uh, right. And uh, my my agent was like, oh, my God, really? And I was like, oh, oh <laughs> I guess I should know who he is. Um, and then I listened to his music and I love it. But uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I had just won, I think, the second Hugo of the three that, uh, you know, kind of ended up making me a record breaker Hugo winner Um, and uh, you know I was getting a lot of attention already at that point and then suddenly he uh, pinged me through DC folks and I was interested in working on comics um, at some point Um, and I wanted to sort of try a comics project that would allow me to sort of dip my toe in the comics waters but not go whole hog like starting my own comics like starting my own uh, uh indie venture because I didn't know what the heck I was doing and I needed to know Um, and my favorite way to learn a thing is to do it so um, and uh, you know when when they initially approached me they just said you know would you like to write Green Lantern and I said no (laughs) because no why would I Um, but then um, you know he explained that uh, this would be a young animal specific Green Lantern Um, that he had in mind uh, a Green Lantern that would be in a completely self-contained world apart from the usual continuity, um, that she would be a Black woman. Um, And that was about it. And, you know, beyond that, he had kind of uh, sort of thought about the world a little bit and decided that he wanted uh, the world to be one where people uh, did not experience love. Um, Mm. And so I altered it a little bit to be all emotion, but then beyond that, he had nothing else. So Mm -hmm. uh, the rest of that was, was me. Um, But the initial idea was definitely from him. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And so the, and the, the world building of the, of the three different species and sort of the whole back history that, that all came from you then. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think around that time um, people, I guess I'd started to develop a reputation for being like good at world building or enjoying world building or something. This was before the masterclass on world building and all this other stuff. Um, but people were reading uh, the Broken Earth series and realizing that basically this was a world that didn't have anything to do with like Earth um, and that it felt coherent and cohesive, which is great. I, I, that was what I was aiming for. Um, and that was why he reached out like, you know, I need somebody who can build this from the ground up. Yeah, so that's what we did. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I know you have a master class, and I guess I could go and, and watch it there, but let me ask sort of <laughs> <You want>? <laughs> what, <laughs> broadly, uh, uh, what's sort of the first step in in the world building here? Uh, like, like did, mean, you, did you proceed, did you try to proceed, in, in the case of Far Sector, did you try to proceed from from Joe's character or from the wor- the science fiction part of the world or or was it all being developed at the same time? It's hard to articulate. Um, for me, the world caught my attention. Um, the character for a while kind of stayed fallow, not fallow, but just kind of dormant um, because I didn't really have, you know, enough to kind of build her with, you know, a black woman Green Lantern is just, you know, okay, like, whatever. Um, But, you know, once I started kind of working on the world, and I started realizing what kind of person needed to interact with this world, this would be a an extremely futuristic world, a little bit cyberpunk, a lot bit Afropunk, a little bit of, I mean, you know, Afrofuturism is the the overarching term. um, But Afropunk in particular is an Afro goth are subsets of that. Um, aesthetically that that I found appealing. Um, And, uh, you know, so I really just wanted to kind of play with the the imagery of it or just, you know, like, what was this world going to be about? Um, If the goal was for these people to be kind of trying to find a way to escape from emotional oppression, um, then I needed a character who had the ability to deal with that. Um, and of course, if she was supposed to be from Earth and she was a black woman, well, she'd had personal life experience with that. Sure. Um, but I, I also wanted to make it a little bit conflicted for her. So as I started realizing, you know, kind of what needed to be done, I couldn't make her like an anti-racist activist. I needed her to be someone who would have an internal conflict about it. So I made her a cop, um, which was difficult. It was something that... Um, you know, this was around the time of like, uh, this is before the George Floyd protests. So this was um, not too long after like Ferguson and things like that. And, uh, you know, writing a, a black character who is a cop can be a really kind of delicate balancing act between are you excusing a lot of the systemic stuff that cops do? Or are you, you know, like, how do you do this right? Um, and I even reached out to the, you know, NYPD. Uh, they had a, a kind of publicity division that uh, supposedly would be willing to talk to uh, prospective writers and, and things like that um, to help them get more verisimilitude in the thing. And they never returned my calls or emails. Um, so I just made it up. <laughs> um, so, you know, if I got the cop details wrong. Blame NYPD. Anyway, um, but beyond that, you know, she sort of formed as the world was, as the world kind of cohered, I began to realize what kind of person needed to be the Green Lantern for this world. Um, and that dictated it. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And it sounds, so it sounds like that the kernel of, of I want there to be a world full of people who don't feel love, like really knock down a chain of dominoes for you more or less but that's that's how all good ideas work um you know like you tell me i want you to create a you know afro futuristic world on the other side of the universe i'm like okay but you give me like that one little thing that 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 starts it you know kind of growing from a seed and then the world practically builds itself um you know so or at least that's how my brain works i you know i don't know if that's the case for everybody 
Um, but you know, once I started kind of putting the idea together, I, I was, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm a science fiction nerd. Um, you know, I was like, I don't want to do a, just a planet. This doesn't going to, you know, I'm going to put these people on another planet. We're going to do a Dyson sphere. And then I was like, no, that's corny. Everybody does Dyson spheres. Okay. We're going to do a ring world. No, everybody does ring worlds. Anyway, I apologize, Jamal, because I know you had to draw all of that. Um, but you just you you did the hell out of it. So <laughs> thanks. No, it there's was nothing that I, I'm I'm sorry, not sorry. <laughs> well, so I so then I, that's the question I want to ask Jamal, which is kind of the flip side of that of mm. of how do you approach this as an illustrator, where where it's it's obviously it's Green Lantern, so you know you know what Green Lantern is. But then it's set in an environment that has you've as you've never seen before. Um, mm -hmm. uh, what's what's your approach in in fleshing out these ideas and trying to wrap your head around three different species, uh, the, the 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 emotional concepts, uh, the characters? Well, for for our sector, is pretty easy because Nora had those lore bibles that she wrote. Mm -hmm. So they were very like, like she said, very long, but they were very like detailed and extensive. So like right off the bat, before I even started drawing, I already had a very solid grasp of the world she built and what she wanted out of it and what she wanted visually. Cause she very like helpfully had um, images that she'd pull up of like, oh, this is what I want the fashion to look like, or this mm -hmm. is what I want certain things to look like. So I already had a good solid idea of what to base everything off of. From there, it's just both drawing what I think looks cool, just very simply. Like, I like cyberpunk, I like future, I like sci-fi, so I just drew what I liked. Hmm. And also, there's, like, little things of sort of headcanon world building also on my end, where, like, kind of every character I drew, even the background characters, because, like, drawing takes a long time. It's a lot of, like, just sitting there. So for a lot of even background characters, I started getting ideas of, oh, what would this character be doing in this world? So it's just a character like walking down the street behind Joe is like, oh, this person is like a specialist or an artist of this kind and they're on their way to work or they're on the way to a meeting. Cool. And that would sort of like dovetail into different details of like, oh, this building is an office building or this building is like a nature preserve. And that sort of dictated the design of that building. Mm -hmm. So like doing that over the course of 12 issues, you start to develop this own world in your own head. And mm -hmm. sort of like Nora said, everything starts to write itself. So by the time I got to like issue six, I already had a good idea of both what Nora, what you wanted, and sort of like my own understanding of that world. So everything kind of drew itself and designed itself after that point. Yeah, you yeah. were creating that world from like issue one as much <laughs> as I was. Cause I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not visual. Like, you know, I would send you like, you know, Afropunk, you know, aesthetic pages, but you know, I don't actually <laughs> visualize what that shit would look like. So <laughs> let me watch my language. Um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah. So like you actually did it and I, I had not imagined what these characters would actually look like you know, beyond the sort of vague aesthetic generality. And then you gave them to me and then I was like blown away, mm -hmm. um, you know. I'm, yeah, I mean, it also helped that even though like the write-up was super detailed and very specific, 
Hmm. It was also open-ended and you were very like open to me doing whatever I wanted, basically. I mean, once I saw, I when when uh, they told me that they had um, found another potential artist for it, because originally we started out working with Sean Martinborough, um, mm-hmm. but then due to the delays in that period of uh, hiatus for YA, for the Young Animal line, mm-hmm. um, then Sean wasn't able to stay on the project. And so when I was looking at your stuff, Jamal, I, I first saw... Um, what was your webcomic? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, Mortal Nadia Green. Yes, yes, that one. Um, and then they sent me not uh, not Nadia, Naomi, um, and then I was like, <laughs> I was like, sorry about that. <laughs> but then I, no they wrong. Sent me very Naomi silver names. And, I do that too. Yeah, and then at that point I was like, okay, you know, this is a no, this is a master of his craft. I need to stay out of his way. So, like, I gave you the basics, and then at that point, I was like, "Well, you know, he obviously knows what he's doing. Um, let's see what he comes up with." You know, my father is a visual artist. Um, I, I am uh, well. Actually, this is one of his uh, prints behind me. Um, but my father is a visual artist, and I have always grown up as the the person who can't draw in a visual artist's house. Um, so I have nothing but respect for people who can. Um, and I also understand that when, you know, when when the inspiration comes to you, you stay out of that inspiration's way. You let that inspiration do what it's going to do. Um, yeah. So it was a joy and a delight to work with a master of this form. So thank you. I learned so much and it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, so so, the, so, so let me ask a question. Let me follow up there. Um were there things that um, that changed about your writing on the project as you saw what Jamal was producing and was capable of? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I have said this in interviews, but uh, you know, first and foremost, my scripts got shorter. Um, my my initial scripts were like super detailed because I wasn't sure how much I was supposed to put in there. Um, you know, I was basically teaching myself how to write comic book scripts from books and, um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, so apologies for that as well. Um, You were very patient. (laughs) Probably the fact that we didn't talk in person. (laughs) uh, So you couldn't cuss me out even if you wanted to anyway. Um, but, uh, you know, so the scripts were a lot longer in the beginning. And then as I started to realize, you know, okay, he knows what he's doing and I don't need to give more detail. Um, you know, I would do things like whole action scenes where I would just be like, here's three pages, do what you want to. I just want like two, two beats hit at some point during that sequence. And that's partly because I'm bad at action sequences, but also because he had this thing in his head, like he had this vision. And I, I'm just like, let me give you the space to do what you want to do. I, I love that because I think, I think that you're the first writer to say in almost all of our interviews to say that you're, that you're working with someone essentially Marvel style, because this is, this is the, the, is the, the way that they used mm. to call this Marvel style where Stan Lee would, would write stories where he'd have all the dialogue and the plot points, but then the action would come. He'd be like, ah, three, three pages of fights. And just leave it to the artist. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Whereas, wow. whereas most, most uh, writers are at least choreographing something at that point. Um, well, would, would I you suck at choreographing. Like in terms of Sorry? what you get from, you would agree with that, Jamal, in terms of like what you get from, I don't know, say, say Bendis and David Walker on fight scenes and Naomi, right? They're choreographing it to a certain yeah. degree. Yeah, but it's also, 
I think it also shifts the more you work with them. So for example, when I first started working with Brian and David on Naomi, it was very much that scripted, they do like, they had everything scripted out and then I just sort of changed things if they needed changing. And then as we got more comfortable with each other and more comfortable with our creative styles, um, then it was sort of shift more to both Marvel style where they would just say, okay, we just need this on the page, do whatever. Right. And also they would very much trust me to make any changes that I wanted to make. If I think, if I thought it would flow better or look better or read better. And then pretty much for the back half of the first season of Naomi and for season two as well, after I finished drawing and coloring everything, they would then go back and almost rescript it or not fully rescripted, but like sort of change around if anything needed changing to adjust to what I drew. Yeah. So it's very much a back and forth, like they do this, then I do this. If anything needs changing, I change it. Then they go back and adjust their scripting to what I done. Mm -hmm. So it's very much a progression of when we first started to work together, we didn't know like what exactly to do. So it was very rigid. And then it became more free form as we went along. Interesting. So I'm I'm wondering in terms of uh, the first couple of scripts that Nora gave you. She said that she she wrote out a lot, um, uh, but then you've got to translate that into how how it works on a comics page, right? Because mm -hmm. because I think I think you'd agree, Nora, as well, that a prose page and a comics page flow very differently, right? It it it, it in terms of um, a comics page needs to have an action. Uh, at the end of every page, more or less, to get the page turn going. Um, there, there's certain structural things that have to happen in the pacing of a comic for it to work, right? Where you don't, you don't, the rules aren't necessarily as rigid in prose. So, um, so Jamal, as you, when you get a script like that, uh, I mean, I guess first off, how 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 naturally did did Nora take to the comics process? Like how much changes need to be, needed to be made on your side. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I guess to sort of talk about that for a minute. Sure. Um, well, really it was pretty natural. Like mm -hmm. Nora is obviously like an amazing storyteller. So that very much translated well to like a good story is a good story. Mm -hmm. And then the thing with comics is as a visual language, like you can turn pretty much any moment you want into a page turner, mm -hmm. just based on like the action that's going on. Even if there's no action, the conversation that's being had and how you frame it and compose it visually. Mm -hmm. So there, there isn't very much, you don't, there isn't much thought that you have to put into it. It's very much natural. Like this is the last panel on the page. How's the best way I can compose that to make it interesting. Okay. Okay. So, so like that's just the that's just the idea I take to going panel by panel and how I compose my layouts and everything like that. So it's not very it's not a conscious thing. It's just the way I work and the way you naturally would lay out and draw a comic. Okay. And and Nora, for you, the the change to having to think about things not merely as chapters but also as individual page units, right, that have a certain kind of pagination and flow in a certain way. Was mm -hmm. that a, a difficult change at all? Um, 
Was it a refreshing change? It, it was refreshing. Um, you know, I, it felt a lot like writing a short story um, because, you know, you don't, you can't put as much material into even 12 issues of a comic as, as you can in a book, obviously. Um, but I also write short stories. Um, and, uh, you know, I did a kind of rough draft uh, of the whole series, actually, because I'm used to writing books. So 12 right. issues of a comic book was easy. Uh, not easy. Okay, let me not say that. Um, but, you know, like altogether in terms of word count, it was a fraction of the size of any novel. Um, and so, you know, the format was hard. Understanding those, you know, sort of visual, uh, understanding how visual storytelling works is a thing that I had to wrap my head around because I'm used to sort of using metaphors and turns of phrase to sort of get emotion across. And I had to pull back on all of that and just leave plain dialogue or, you know, interesting dialogue, hopefully. But, um, you know, I had to kind of allow there to be a lot of room for for the visuals to kind of get things across. And also part of it was that I was, I was studying other comic books at that point. Um, I'd read Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics. I'd read other scripts and things like that. So I was, I was really just kind of cobbling together my own comics writing style, like in media res. And um, so the the, like there was an example that I thought of, which was from the very first uh, issue where I had, I don't remember what it was I'd read. Uh, oh my gosh. I can't remember the name of the book that I was I was trying to uh, steal ideas from, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I, I made some recommendation about how the panels should kind of splay out in a particular pattern um, to kind of try and present flow, and I, I you know left some some mention in there of like if this doesn't work, don't do it, you know, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You understand this, right? Um, but, you know, when I saw the actual issue, when I saw what Jamal had done, I was like, holy shit, that was so much better than what I thought of. Um, and he'd done it, but he'd done it like, I, I can't even describe it. I had said <laughs> something about like, what if these things are kind of arranged in a semicircle? And he had them in this flowing slant. I, I, I don't know visual words. <laughs> Anyway, um, but what he had done was so amazing that at that point I was like, I'm not going to make any more recommendations about how the panels should be arranged beyond there should be this many or that many or maybe like whatever, um, because you understood more about the framing than I have yet figured out. Um, it takes years in, in a genre to understand those nuances and subtleties. I'm not going to understand that anytime soon. Um, so fortunately, Jamal did. Yeah. Was it, um, uh, comics tend to be more dialogue driven than, than narration driven. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas in prose, there's an awful lot of narration and description, but Jamal's doing all that work depends in a way. Um, mm -hmm. depends on the author. Absolutely. I, I was, mm -hmm. I was speaking broadly. Um, was it, was it a challenge for you to sort of figure out that balance between caption and dialogue, uh, or did it, or did it come smoothly enough? It was a challenge in that I just needed to do it enough to feel like it was flowing, um, and that was why I went ahead and, and did the rough draft, you know, yeah. of all twelve issues up front, um, because the only way that you can learn something like that is by doing it. 
Um, you know, you can also try reading other comic book scripts. And the other thing that I did to kind of help teach myself to do this was um, I read um, this uh, 2000 AD script book, um, which is actually kind of amazing if you guys haven't seen it. But uh, the 2000 AD comic uh, was this UK thing. You're, you're probably more familiar with it than I was because I'd never heard of it. Um, but where you can see um, side by side... Um, a, a comic script page and then how that page got rendered by the artist. This yeah. was invaluable for me um, because I could not only learn different scripting styles, I could start to understand how you communicate with a visual, visual artist um, in, in such a way as to not be insulting or get in the way. Um, and still, I had to do it to get better at it. So, yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you have um, editorial feedback at this point? uh when you were writing these first scripts or yeah um andy cowrie if i'm not mangling how his name is pronounced uh was the editor at that time and uh he uh would give me feedback on all of them because i asked for that um you know i knew that the best way that for for me to learn how to do this was to actually like do it show it to somebody and then we hack out all of the problems with it yeah. um so yeah he was he gave me great feedback um, you know, he's unfortunately no longer with DC, but, um, you know, but that was what I needed. So that's what he gave. Yeah. And did you, did you end up telling you to hack out a, a, a fair amount or not much? No, or... I did that. Um, okay. you know, mostly the, the, I didn't want to underwrite or overwrite this. Um, I did err on the side of overwriting in the first drafts. Uh, and then, like I said, when I saw that Jamal clearly, like, I just needed to move and just let him do what he did, um, then I went back through the rough drafts and I did additional versions where I mostly just chopped out unnecessary dialogue and unnecessary um, everything. Um, so, yeah, that was actually, it's it's no different from the process of writing, like I said, a, a short story. With a novel, you aren't as constrained by space. But with short stories, if you know that you've got to hit a particular word count target, every extra the and ah takes up too much space. And I was mindful also of uh, the letterer, Darren Bennett, uh, had to try and fit everything within those tiny little boxes. Um, and, you know, I was I was trying to keep everything basically like tweet length, old school yeah. Twitter, not even yeah. like yeah. new Twitter. Yeah. Um, so that helped. Yeah. Yeah. No, overall, I would say you did a very good job in, uh, you know, because a lot of times you see prose authors come in and they do overwrite on, on the yeah. comics page. And it, and there's yeah. a very good balance here. Um, I think it's, it's really fantastic. Did Gerard give you uh, feedback as well? Or, or was he was he involved in the creative process at all at that point? Yeah, at the beginning of the process, uh, when I was doing the world building, um, that was where he gave most of his input, because that was the part that he had asked me to help him with. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was... Sorry, I heard something else. Um, but yeah, that was that was when we were, um, you know, kind of the high level concept testing, I guess, for lack of a better description. Um, you know, how does the world work? How do the characters make sense? Um, Sean Martinborough did some initial sketches of the characters at that point. So all of like the the top level, you know, uh, basic stuff was where Gerard did his input. 
Um, and he had input on every issue thereafter. Um, he didn't always kind of speak up because it would be like a round robin conversation between me, Jamal, Andy, and, and some ever, several other people. Um, but where he had feedback to, to bring in, he did. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, there, so there was some concept art done by, by Sean Jamal. Um, mm-hmm. did, how, how much did you use of that? How much did you rework? Um, how much of it worked? How much didn't? I don't know. Um, well, I very much used it as just, this is my starting point. Yeah. So I think um, the sketches that I saw were one of Joe and one of uh, a not character. So in terms of the not character, I very much kept like the way he drew like the fins and the tail and sort of like the fins coming off the end of the tail because I really like that shape. Mm-hmm. Though his knob was pretty much a bit more lanky than mine, um, a bit more, the arms were a bit more, I guess, octopus-like, <laughs> um, <laughs> if I were to say it. And then I very much kept like a more humanoid. I kept the chest, made the chest a bit broader, um, the hips a bit broader. Um, so I took like different elements and then sort of shifted it to more my style in terms of the anatomy of um, that species. And then for Joe is very much just like general vibe. So for um, Sean's um, sketch, he had like the poncho and she was wearing like kind of like a SWAT vest or a bulletproof vest. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, my Joe sort of, she has the vest, she has the same sort of color, color blocking of the green on top, the black on bottom. Um, she had one of, uh, Nora, one thing you said is you wanted her to sort of like, her costume to shift a bit with mm-hmm. her powers. So like, there's a point where she's wearing the poncho in the first issue, she um, summons a trench coat in one issue and sort of like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I kept the idea of the shape of the poncho and stuff when she had it then. Mm-hmm. But from there, it was kind of just like, okay, what is my design sensibility, which is like very much more cleaner lines, a bit more modern. Um, I really wanted to give her the Gurren Lagann visor um, goggles, just because I'm a huge fan of Gurren Lagann. And it very much fit that futurism, Afropunk, just like really sleek, very sharp style that I wanted to hit on with her. So it was very much like I used, I definitely used Sean's um, sketches as a base, but I very much also just went through a ton and a ton of just different design iterations just to see like what I would be best at drawing at, which was different from him, but sort of like the same starting point. There's there's not a tremendous amount of of back matter in here, but there is one page where there's I want to say thirty five or forty different uh, designs of, of Joe. Uh, <laughs> the iterations that you went through and like oh how about this and how about that and um, how much how much sort of previs time did you did you put it because this looks like a lot did you, this this looks like it's two or three weeks worth of of, of design work. Yeah, it was a. About that much. 
Um, because I started Far Sector like right off of the back of Naomi season one. So I finished that. I had maybe like two weeks off that where I just didn't want to draw at all because drawing wow. comics is a lot. And then I went right into sketches and previs for about two or three weeks for Far Sector and then straight into issue one from there. Yeah. Wow. yeah. How, how long have you been working on, on the book at this point, Nora? Because you said that you started at the second Hugo nomination uh, or the second Hugo Award, so that must be five years or so? About 2016? No, 2017. That would have been 2017. So, okay. uh, or 16. Well, okay, I don't know, somewhere in there. <laughs> um, but remember that there was a fairly lengthy hiatus during which Young Animal's future was completely up in the air. Um, and and just all of the lines stalled for a while. I don't remember mm -hmm. how long that hiatus was, like almost a year or a year or so. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I had I had done the baseline scripts. Um, Sean had done some very baseline sketches, and then suddenly put the brakes on. We're not doing this, or we might right. not do this. Um, and I had books to write, so I went off and wrote books. Um, and then when the you know young animal kind of rose from its grave um then uh we we were able to start proceeding at that point but a lot of things had to change such as sean um you know going off to do other projects and jamal coming on instead yeah yeah uh, um yeah what was i going to ask there is was there a change in uh because because of the the time that had passed and that you had written I, I imagine two more novels in that space. Did that did that change the nature of Far Sector at all? Not really. Um, okay. I mean, I was writing novels even while I was working on Far Sector. Right, um, right, right. Basically, I've been working on novels for like 10 years straight now. Um, and yeah. I'm about to take a break. But, um, <laughs> uh, but because I just finished book two of the, the Great Cities duology. But uh, um yeah so i mean it for me it was kind of a refreshing palette cleanser um mm. you know and it i like doing new things i like trying new projects uh you know i started writing short stories just to kind of try my hand at it and see if i could be any good at it and it helped improve my novel writing so now i'm willing to try all kinds of new things um, i wrote a media tie-in novel for uh mass effect at one point um right and i would love to try game writing at some point although you know the industry would have to change a little bit before i'd be comfortable with that um, but uh at the time i thought i wanted to try game writing that that pretty much killed that um yeah. now i'm writing a film script so you know i just like trying new things i get bored easily i have a <laughs> creative short attention span yeah well, as a as an artist, Jamal, right? That's it's much easier uh, to to not get bored, right? Because you're constantly <laughs> designing new so. things and building building uh, new worlds. It comes and goes. Hmm. Like it's very much a process of the initial part is super fun because you're that's where all the designing is. That's where all the thinking and problem solving happens in like the sketches and the layouts, hmm. and then once you're done that and you're actually drawing. There is some problem solving, but it's pretty much I did all of my thinking during the layouts so that I know 
by the time I get to pencils and inks, I know exactly what I'm going to draw so I can just do it and focus on the details and the anatomy and making sure it looks good. And then by the time I get to colors, I've already thought about the colors during the layout. So that's very much the, okay, I'm kind of just doing this. Let me put on a podcast with some music to make sure I stay awake while I'm doing this. Oh, wow. And then you get into the next issue where you start the layouts again, and that's all the thinking and problem solving. So it's like a cycle of like, I'm very much engaged and then I'm kind of drudging through this, but it's mm -hmm. kind of fun. Right. And then I'm very much engaged again. Right. Is that it? So that's as true for the actual penciling stage for you as well? Because I've, yeah. I've heard a lot of artists say this about inking, right? That the inking process is is where they just go into automatic and they they, they put on some other art to to distract them from the thing that they're doing, which I don't I could never function like that. I cannot, <laughs> I, I, it blows my mind. But uh, but it's the same for penciling for you as well. Yeah, because for me, um, because I work digitally, my pencils are pretty much my inks. Like right, they constitute right. the same stage for me. Right. So, like I said, I do all my thinking and problem solving during the layouts. Like my layouts are pretty detailed and like pretty thorough. So that when I get to my pencils, like there's always like, you're trying to figure out how to make something look good. And that always like takes some thinking and brain power to figure out. But also at the same time, like I know what I'm going to draw at that point. It's just figuring out how to do it and how to make yeah, it look yeah. good. Yeah. So then once, oh, um, once you figure cool. it out, then it's the put on a podcast, put on the music, put on a movie and just like autopilot through it. Yeah. When you, um, uh, uh, when you're actually, you know, in production in full production of the book, I I'm assuming that you're a page a day man at least. Yeah. 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 I have to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, twelve issues is you know at a time. That's a that's a that's a really big commitment for a book. Um, yeah, it's um, it's actually like the longest run I have done at this point. Because before that, I was always like either guesting on an issue or helping out on an issue of like Supergirl or Nightwing for a couple of pages, and or doing like six issue runs on Naomi. So Far mm -hmm. Sex is the first like big twelve issue run that I've done at this point, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I very much felt it like at issue like around eight or nine. It was like, I've been doing this for a long time. And that was like in the middle of the pandemic and everything that was going on. So like, <clears throat> I was very much feeling like, okay, I have to keep drawing. I'm a bit tired, but I have to do it. But also thankfully at that point, um, thank you to Andy who like um, sort of like, how do I say, sort of like, not bargained, but fought for us going bi-monthly. Because yeah. before that point, it was a monthly, um, working on a book monthly, like you have to do a page a day and there's no breaks and you have to keep up that consistency. But right. he could very much see that I was starting to lag a little bit. Yeah. So he fought for us going bi-monthly and that very much helped me like, okay, I can take rest days when I need to take rest days. I can like actually take care of myself and my body, yeah. which uh, let me be refreshed and actually like attack this full force and put out the best work that I could do. Yeah. And yeah. I think it helped the book overall, to be honest, because when it went to bi-monthly, people started talking about it and word of mouth had more time to spread. 
So, you know, I don't know what the norm is in the comics world, but, um, you know, I get that the norm is monthly. Maybe it shouldn't be, but, you know, I'm new here. (laughs) I think the comics world is still figuring out a lot of things. I think that the new norm is starting to become full graphic novels. So, Mm -hmm. you know, putting this whole book out as one object rather than serializing it, I, I... I don't think that's the best for the medium because I think that serialization, I think it changes and informs the work over time. It does. Um, it really does. I, so, so actually this is, this is a, a question then, Nora, um, were you, were you producing monthly as well? And then bi-monthly towards the end, or did you, you wrote all the scripts at once? How did you? I'd done the first draft scripts already. Um, I did them all at once because, like I said, it's it's easier for me. And I was also between novels at that point. So I wanted mm-hmm. to work while I knew I didn't have a deadline looming overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did the rough drafts of the scripts uh, all up front. Um, and that was how I'd worked with Andy on kind of making them good. Um, but then each month, uh, once Jamal came aboard, I would do a new, like I would refine those up to a publishable version. Um, and I'm also used to doing that from the book world too, where you usually work on a book four times before it ever goes to print. Um, so, you know, I would do that. Um, but that's, that's easy compared to the utterly grueling work that it must've taken for you to do the drawing. Um, you know, at that point I, I was just kind of horrified that, I mean, I know that that's normal, but, um, but it was still horrifying to look at. So I was just like this poor man. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and I just I out think... of curiosity on those, on those draft scripts, uh, mm-hmm. how long did it take you to write the 12? Was it 12 weeks, mm-hmm. 12 days, about, somewhere in between? About 12 weeks, I'd say. Um, okay. Like I said, it's about like a short story for me. Um, yeah. And short stories are relatively easy to crank out. Not crank out. That that makes it sound like <laughs> in a factory yeah. or something. But, um, but you know, it was writing itself past a certain point. I, I right. enjoyed the story. All I needed to do was really refine um, the, the thing that I was working on at that point was making it exciting enough um, because I'm not used to the comics format of, you know, there's a fight in... You got to have a fight in the first issue. You got to have some action in almost every issue. You know, for me, action is a thing that I kind of dribble in very sparingly in my own work. Um, And so that was like, I had come up with the plot already and, you know, sort of given a summary to Andy of what I wanted each issue to contain. And then we ended up having to rearrange a lot of that because there wasn't enough action in the first half of the series. Um, and so that spread out the story more. It meant that I had to cut out some elements of the story and so on. Um, they initially asked me if I was interested in doing, uh, after the hiatus, they were interested in, they were interested in whether I wanted to do uh, Far Sector as a black label. Is that what yeah, it's the, called? It's black label. Um, yeah, it's the big oversized. Yeah, that's it. More right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I fought to keep it uh, in floppies. I, I, you know, later on it could go to compilation, but um, right. I knew that if I wanted this character to have any legs and for the readers to accept her as you know a legit real Green Lantern, she couldn't be sort of shoehorned off into a graphic novel that a lot of kind of true blue comics fans um, would not read. 
Um, so, you know, the floppies were a way to build up the audience and, and give her the support that she needed to eventually transition into something, you know, somewhere else. So, yeah. and it worked. Yay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just make one small point of order. It, it, this is, this is re really minor, but as mm -hmm. a guy who sells comic books for a living, I hate the term floppies. I, I, it was, what do you uh, usually call them then? Yeah, no, it was come up with um, by people who are in alternate com alternative comics to kind really? of um, to put down the superhero comic because they're floppy, you know, and they're not. But all strong. comics are floppy. No, this I, is I floppy. I understand, what but the heck? I, but but it's 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 actually meant as a derogatory term, believe it or not. So we take no periodicals or serializations. I for whatever that, that just small, a tiny point of order. Um, I'll keep that in mind. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that. Thank you. Good. Yeah. Um, uh, I know we're we're almost running out of time here, so we got a audience question. I am told. Let's put that up, Jordan, uh, from Pudrigo. Hey, Pudrigo. He's he's a, a great member. He's been a member of the club for years. I really like the uniqueness of each spe species in the trilogy. How did these come about? Was it difficult to make them so unique? But at the same time, and this is the important part, I think, part of the same world. No. Um, scratch that. Yes, in the sense that world building is difficult. No, in the sense that I enjoy world building. So it was fun. Um, so, you know, once I had come up with the history of the trilogy races, um, then it became, you know, just a matter of like putting them in the right position. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I grew up on Star Trek and, you know, all of these shows full of multiple species getting along and having great relationships or terrible relationships or whatever. Um, so it was not that difficult to, to come up with that. Um, I did want to kind of play with that concept. Like for example, making the, um, uh, Ketopoli predatory plants. Um, you know, I, 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 like I said, I'm a fan of uh, Star Trek, but I'd never seen anything in Star Trek where like, you know, a species was just, th that wasn't an enemy, was just 100% inimical to the other species around. Um, the Ketopoli would just nosh on everybody. Everybody would be snacks if it was up to them. And, you know, it would be deeply religious snacks to them. Um, they would feel really bad about, you know, killing you against your will, but they would actually do it. Um, and, you know, I wanted to build in a predator species, basically. Um, and I wanted the Na to be deceptively human. Um, you know, there's a tendency for uh, humanoid characters or human-like characters in science fiction to just be human proxies. Um, I wanted the Na to be physically very similar, psychologically extremely different. Um, they are extremists. They are a race of sort of natural, like, you know, zero to 100 miles per hour in 0.02 seconds people. Um, the reason that they live in a space station is because uh, basically they all got mad at each other and the Na blew their planets up because that's how they solve problems. Um, so, um, you know, that's basically what I wanted to kind of play with was, you know, standard science fiction concepts of uh, multicultural, multi-species societies. And that was fun to do. Yeah. And Jamal, as visualizing, it's sort of the same question. Was it was it at all tricky to you to, to find a way to make these things work in the same world? Not really, just because... 
concept-wise, Nora had done all that hard work in the world-building part of it. So like, all those details were already sorted. And then for my part, visually, it was actually important to make them look as different as possible design-wise, just to make sure just storytelling like storytelling wise you could differentiate them properly and also to further enhance like the differences in their mindset of like the Ketopoli being giant and predators and towering over everyone and the Nas humanness being like slightly in the uncanny valley mm. so I worked specifically to make them visually as different as as possibly good and then in terms of cohesion like that's just in the art style like i draw the same on every page i treat the characters the same way in shading and how i draw like their anatomy and everything like that so that just happens naturally so i could just yeah. focus on this is the design of the knot this is how their clothing works this is the design to get top this is how their clothing and their um like the way they carry themselves and this is that and, and the same thing like i can make those as distinctive as possible and then my art style just draws that together on the yeah. page uh, i have one more question about uh about and i'm not quite sure if this is an art thing or if it's a lettering thing but the the use of the um the untranslatable untranslated language mm -hmm. um as a design element um was that you, Jamal? Was that the letterer? Uh, and 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 that it's such a design element of certain scenes. Where did that come mm -hmm. from? Um, that was kind of a bit of everyone. So, for example, in the scripts, Nora, you put it as an alien script or a city script. I think it was called. Yeah, I um, think that was it. And then from there. Um, Darren took it and sort of uh, wrapped the font for that. And, and then I took that from Darren and started incorporating it into the art scenes and like the background on posters and on billboards and in like holograms. And so it was kind of like a bit of everyone just working mm -hmm. off each other and taking bits and pieces of each other. And then that came together um, in the final product. Oh, that's really think, interesting. Yeah, my only contribution to that was like I said, I wanted the script to show some circularity. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember why I wanted it that way though. It was, it's been a while, <laughs> but anyway, but it looked fantastic. So Darren yeah. did an amazing job. Mm -hmm. And in the and in the scripts, it was was it uh, it it was it in English? Was it in was it in some? I, I don't I. I the, the 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 words and stuff did you did you put any of that into the script yourself i guess is what i'm asking did that make sense i don't think i asked that question I do. Correctly. no no okay. i i get what you mean um so i would say things like you know um marth is looking at the their equivalent of a newspaper um or a news uh you know cnn online um you know so it should look like a news report mm -hmm. and beyond that you know, I I was just like, make it look like whatever you think makes it look like a news report. But I see. Okay. Yeah, then yeah. I would say it's in city script, obviously, because they wouldn't write in English. Yeah. 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 And, and then, then Joe's ring can translate anything, but Joe deliberately made the choice to not 
use her ring because she was trying to actually learn the language. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and they had also given her like a fancy dancy city translator too. So. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, well, cool. I think we are running out of time here by your time limits. So um, I got two more questions as the as the wrap up questions. Um, the the first is the 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 easy one for y'all, which is is there something that you'd like to plug that you've got coming up uh, soon? Um, there may not be, you know, that <laughs> you, you maybe you may be all set, but I, I always want to give everybody a opportunity to do that. Um, Jamal, you want to go first? It's Naomi season two, um, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, we just announced um, Naomi season two is coming out March 11th, I believe. Nice. Cool. Definitely like nice. mid-March, so look out for that. It's going to be another six issues. And then the TV show um, is January 11th also, I think, mm, on yeah. CW, so check that out. Nice. Are you um, are, are you uh, going to continue doing it in that sort of that six-issue format? in the foreseeable future is that is that the goal yeah i think that's we sort of like fell into that with season one um and then it sort of just worked out well so it's definitely like the plan to in the source uh in the foreseeable future and it also helps for me just because i like to refresh on new things creatively mm-hmm. yeah so like i can work on something else after that and then if we want to do a season three we could do that or just sort of like be more free form in how we plan stuff out. So so does that then imply that there's always going to be a year, year and a half between between seasons of Naomi? I wouldn't say always. Like we're very much taking it step by step. So sure, sure. right now we're just focusing on season two. And then yeah. if we do a season three, that'll happen whenever it happens, basically. Yeah. It could Pretty be I... a year between. It could be right after. We yeah, yeah, don't know yet. OK. Yeah, just 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 being pushy. Um, uh, <laughs> do you have? Is there anything that, that you'd like to plug? Do you have any other comics work coming up? That that maybe no. is a question. <laughs> well, I literally like two weeks ago finished uh, the first draft of uh, in the thus far unnamed second book of the Great Cities duology, and um, I got to finish that. Um, you know, we're we're going through the process of making it print worthy. We're going to pick a name um, and some other stuff. Um, and I can't even really plug that because like given the the vagaries of how publishing works, it'll be like at least a year before that book is out. Um, so I guess I'll just plug this because <laughs> um, this is all I got out for a while. Um, yeah. I'm going to take a break. I need a vacation. So <laughs> that's it after this. Are there are there other comics that now that you've worked on Far Sector, are there other things you thought that you think, hey, maybe it would be interesting if I could do this kind of a story in comics? I would dearly love to do a, a you know, kind of owner developed uh, something like Monstrous um, uh-huh. by Sana Takeda and uh, Marjorie Liu or, uh-huh. um, you know, The Wicked and the Divine. Um, yep. I use this experience in order to try and you know make contacts within the comic world and also start to understand how the process works because it was all greek to me before you know it was like magic magnets how do these things work somehow people get together comics appear um now i understand a little more of it 
Um, but I still haven't done the, you know, nitty gritty of it. And, uh, you know, so I may try and join some uh, existing property and, and learn a little bit more of the ropes. And at some point I may be willing or able to uh, to do my own thing. I would dearly love to try that. Um, yeah. Right now, though, I, I'm not ready. I need to learn more. I am but a Padawan. Oh, very good. No, it's I and I, I got to say, though, I. I do think you really kind of knocked this out of the park. I, I for a, well, for a first comic, I mean, it's not mm -hmm. your first story, obviously, but for a no. first comic, this is this is really, really, really good for a first comic. Well, for thank what you. That's worth. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, but there's still a lot more I have to learn. So, yeah. um, and you know, the folks at DC made this a really good experience. Working with Jamal made it an amazing experience. Um, you know, if you ever need some help with writing anything <laughs> in the future. Just saying, you know, give me. I'll put you on speed dial. Okay. All right. Oh, I love that. All right, and then the, <laughs> and the final question. Um, this is this is a series of interviews. I think this is we're at our two hundred fiftieth uh, interview cool. here about comics and comics oh, making. Wow. Um, so we have uh, we have uh, a lot of people who watch this series who are interested in making comics, and in a lot of cases, they're they're just they don't know how to start. They don't know what to mm -hmm. do. Um, uh, I think Nora, you, you may have, you know, the, the, the least part of the answer here. So maybe it's not on comics, maybe it's on writing in, in general. How do you spur yourself to create something if you're, if you're not sure if you can do it is how I would you, reframe it for you. You do it. <laughs> that, that's the only thing you can do. You do it. The only way to learn is to literally go and do it. Um, but you can study things done by other people. I'm showing this because it's a great way to start in this business. And I mentioned this already. Um, you can study well-made books that you want to emulate, like Naomi, season one, um, and things <laughs> like that. Um, and, you know, you, you learn by reading and you learn by doing. Um, and, you know, if you feel uncomfortable about it, the only way to get over that, that discomfort is to do it. Um, so, you know, I, I always uh, reframe what Octavia Butler uh, apparently said um, per an, an interview um, when she was asked what advice that she wants to give to kind of up and coming writers, um, which is persist. Um, and, and by that, basically, you... You start out writing, you're going to be terrible at first. You know up front that you're going to be terrible. You're going to feel like you're terrible, um, but you have to continue doing it until you become not terrible. Um, and that is what the persistence is about. Persist in improving and growing and learning, and your, your, your talents will eventually match up to what's in your head. Yeah. That's I, I love that answer. That's that's such a perfect answer, Jamal. Uh, wrap it mm. up for us here. Uh, what what's the advice that you would give for someone who who wants to get into comics uh, now? Not quite sure what to do. Kind of the same thing. Like the best way to get started is to just do it. Start. Like you don't have to be good at it at first. No one is. Um, <laughs> but just do your first thing. Start small. You can do like a comic can be as small as one page, four panels and just do that. And once you've done that, you've made a comic, you are a comic artist or a writer or both. And then you can move on to the next thing and focus on getting better bit by bit, piece by piece, piece by piece, and slowly build yourself up 
to where you're more comfortable. You get to an inkling of what you're doing, what you want to do, what you actually want to get out of it. And then you're on your way and it kind of just writes itself from there and you know what you want to strive for from there. So yeah, just do it. That's all, that's pretty much the only thing that I can say, just start, don't wait for anything, just <clears throat> do what you want to do and do something that you're having fun with mm. Yeah. also. Yeah. If you're like struggling with it, if it's not something you're actually into, you're never going to enjoy it or finish it. So make sure you're actually enjoying yourself while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love, I love both those answers. And I, I, I love both of you for making such a, such a great comic and for taking the time and being with us tonight. I, I, I thank you so much. I, uh, I love it. Um, uh, I want to say to everybody who's sitting at home, if you're sitting at home and uh, uh, you don't know what to read and you're looking for something to read, Far Sector, it's a it's a cracking piece of science fiction. It's a solid piece of superhero writing. It's really good. And again, if you buy it from us, you can get a, a free sign book plate because uh, why not, right? Uh, and, you know, you can join the club too because every month we, we bring interviews like this. Jordan, give me a one shot, will you? Um, uh i want to say that um the next show we have coming up is uh sunday um is the kids club uh we're talking uh to kelly fernandez about manu um she, she's a, a first time uh, comic book person so that should be a fun conversation because i love i love talking with the newbies i love talking with the newbies um next month's uh a, adult club book um will be totally very different than far sector it is no one else um by r kiku johnson um which is a, a a family melodrama in hawaii it's a very fantastic piece of work and then for the classics uh club uh we'll be talking to greg rucka about whiteout uh and greg is a greg is a great person to talk to so that should be a fantastic conversation that's uh that's the january shows so so do that um i would like to do uh i would like to take a moment here to do one special thanks and that is to Jordan, uh, who has been running these shows for the last seven years. Um, this is his last show that he's behind the camera. He is going and getting a, getting a more adult job in a different city. And so he's not going to be able to sit here in the comic book store and, and run this for me. Um, Jordan, thank you so much for the, the years of, of help and service. And uh, you'll still be the producer. You'll still do a lot of the back end stuff. But, uh, but starting, starting next uh, starting Sunday, my, my son is going to be running the camera. So, so that'll be fun. Uh, I also, yeah, absolutely, Jordan. Uh, I also want to thank the st my staff. Uh, I want to thank Zoe and Kat for keeping the store going and uh, and running it and and letting me have my little dreams of sitting in front of the, the thing for seven years and talking about comics. So, it's great. And thank all of you who are sitting there watching at home because you know we wouldn't do it without your interest and all of you members. So, thank you all. And then finally, thank these two. Nora, Jamal, thank you so much for making good comics, for, for creating things that, that, that fill our mind with passion and thought and, and emotion. And I, it's just, it's, you probably don't get told enough, but it, you're, you, you're great for doing that for us and, and, and making our collective imagination that much bigger and stronger. Well, thank Thanks you so for much. hosting us. Yeah, it's that's what fun. I have for you. That's our show. We'll see you next month or well, next week. <laughs>